Welcome in once again, Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. And don't forget, you can support this podcast and Athena International by becoming a patron. Patrons can get extras like audio and shows before anyone else. Get the details at womenreallymeanbusiness.com right at the top of the homepage. All right, let's talk about our guest. Aaron Green owns Verify Services, which saves business customers an average of 23% on their cell bills. And her business, as you can imagine, due to technology, changes every two to three years. She is an expert on reinventing her business to stay current and has great advice for you. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, episode number 53, starts now. Welcome to Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International, the podcast that tells you the story of how women are impacting business one guest at a time. Now here's your host, Jeff Bolitnikoff, with another successful woman and her unique business journey. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. I'm Jeff Blitnikoff, and I'm going to give you a statement here, and I'm going to bring my guest in in a second. And this is directly from her bio. I drive results in an average savings of 23% for cellular clients across the U.S. Now, if that does not get your attention, I don't know what will, because my cell bill is, it's funny, uh, and I'm going to bring in Erin Green now. And Erin, welcome. She is the CEO and founder of Verify Services. And thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's great. If nothing more, that I might figure out how to maybe whack my uh, cell bill down a little bit. Because, wow, <laughs> I, I, there's... I, I tell you what, I leased a car about three years ago, not a not a really expensive car. I think it was a Mitsubishi Mirage. It was, oh gosh, it must have been longer than that. Anyway, my cell bill is higher than my car lease bill was. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> oh my goodness. And uh, yeah, the car lease was like 50 bucks cheaper than the cell bill. I mean, my cell bill is... Well, I don't even want to talk about what that is, but uh, so that's what you do. And you, and I see you all over LinkedIn and you have a great business in the area and I know you help people all over the place. So uh, that's your uh, intro. And as people know, I do a pretty brief bio and then hand the mic over to my guests. So I'd love to hear your journey and not only how you started Verify Services, but you know how you're achieving those kind of stellar results for people. So again, Erin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Again, I appreciate you having me on, and um, I this is a great platform. Thank you. I started selling phone service back in the mid-'90s, and by 2001, and, and I'd done that with the companies like AT&T and Verizon. By 2001, I was noticing that there was a gap between what my quota dictated I should attempt to sell to end users and what they actually needed. So at that point in time, I was um, commuting from Erie to Northeast Ohio three days a week. And I connected with several of the companies over there that I had been selling voice and data services to. I, I had worked for at a company like AT&T for about three years over there. But I, I went to some past customers and said, here's an idea I have for a business. I would advocate for what, you know, what services you need. I would leverage my industry contacts, connections, and expertise. 
and looking at really driving down the cost that they pay for the services that they have. Um, that, that, that was the initial thought of the business, but it goes, the value that we add beyond the initial savings goes so much deeper um, than just reducing expense. Um, we have many long-term clients. Some of the clients that we service today, and when I say service, I mean we're working with them, um, not necessarily daily, but absolutely monthly, sometimes multiple times per month. And some of these clients we've been working with since 2001. From our office here in the Erie area, um, we've been able to service and complete projects for clients in about 40 states. It's pretty amazing that you're able to, and, I, and again, I want to hear a little bit about your process because when you're talking about, especially a company that can save an average of 23% on their sell bill, boy, that's a lot of money going back to other areas of the business. And some of the folks you work with are IT directors, CTOs, CFOs, COOs, and CEOs. And again, I'm reading from your bio here, but you say they're frustrated mm-hmm. with confusing bills, plans, and options, and they just want peace of mind that they're not overspending. So I, maybe we should dive into an elevator pitch and pretend that I am a, I guess, a CTO right now, I guess, or maybe I'm a chief PO or a Chief podcast officer, I don't know. No, we'll go with CTO. <laughs> but, but no, that, that sounded too much like C3PO. So I, this is, I think I'm just going to hand the mic back over to you because this is getting weird. Uh, but it's getting off the rails. Well, you know, this podcast often does that as frequent listeners know, and you've listened to a number of them, and I think you know that yourself. But, but, yes. oh, okay. <laughs> well, you didn't have to agree so quickly. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but all kidding aside, though, uh, what would be an elevator pitch if I was approaching your company as to how you are achieving those savings? Because like from my limited kind of maybe understanding of things, I'm thinking to myself, well, geez, you know, how am I not getting the best deal? But you know, what do you do to get people deals like that? Um, in the beginning of the conversation, you had expressed some frustration with your personal cell account and you had even said that it was about the cost of the lease of your car. So if you take your frustration and your confusion with that, those charges and you multiply it times, you know, 50 or 500 cellular devices on a corporate plan, it's easy to see why it gets frustrating and it gets sometimes pushed to the bottom of the list um, of tasks when a CFO or or whomever is responsible in the business to approve that bill, you can see why it, it, you know, it gets pushed to the bottom of the list. But we have about 10 different points that we're looking at during the, the analysis phase of a, of a cell audit. And it's really looking at how are those pieces working together. It's looking at usage trends and calling patterns and really optimizing what the client's paying for those services. And, and um, because the client is paying us for those results, um, we are driven and incentivized to reduce the expense as much as we can. We are not accepting any commissions or payments from Verizon Wireless or AT&T or working directly for our clients. So I feel like it gives us a fair and impartial view onto their account and uh, the recommendations that we're making for them. A lot of times they'll, you know, you'll hear things like you have a grandfathered plan if you change anything. 
you're going to lose the benefit of that grandfathered plan. And that is true, but sometimes it's not to the, the client's detriment if they lose it. It's to the, the cellular provider's detriment. So we're really advocating for what makes the most sense for the client. All of our work is done off-site, which is important. And I think the other key point um, with that 23% savings is all of those clients have stayed with their existing provider. We've worked within the confines of their existing contracts. And then once they approve our recommendations, we're responsible to implement all of it. Well, I think you're in a valuable space, at least for our listeners, to be able to talk about navigating ever-changing business waters. Because I'm just thinking to myself that you have literally been through almost everything when it comes to running a business. And, and here's where I'm going with this is, is that to me, there's probably very few businesses in the world today that change as much as yours do or yours does. So mm-hmm. when I think about how at one time we had flip phones and pagers and probably voice was the most important thing now we have smartphones and data connection has got to be really at the top of the list. And data for mobile probably didn't even exist five to seven years ago. So you have had to continually evolve and reinvent your business. And, and sometimes in a very rapid fashion, probably within, you know, sometimes probably within two to three years, you've had to... Uh, really learn a whole new grouping of technology. So again, I would just, for the business owners listening that are navigating their own change, what, how do you advise them? I just love your take on everything I just said. So that is super insightful because <laughs> you you hit the nail on the head. We are changing the business model, reinventing, refocusing. You, like you hit it right on, dead on every two or three years. And it's not because we want to, it's because if we want to stay relevant and we want to continue to service our clients, we have to. So how do we do that? Um, and I say we, because I do not do this by myself. I, we have a very committed, smart, strategic leadership team. And then we also have some really great staff that really focus on what does the client need? We, I just, I met with um, my director of operations today offsite for four hours and it was all about what, what do we need to focus on for the third quarter? Um, who's responsible for what? So it, it everything that we do is very uh, team focused. A lot of leaders you'll hear, you know, you need to trust your people. Well, trust is a verb. Um, like sometimes, People don't do things the way I would do them. And sometimes they do it better. So it's really actively um, surrounding yourself with people you can trust and then trusting them. And, and it's hard. It's hard. I started this by myself in my house in 2001. Um, I hired a couple of people to help me with production still out of my house um, until about eight years ago we moved into an office. But even then, I was, I was trusting other people to help me get the job done. But I say that to say this. Like, it came from an idea. Like, the, the business that we have today started with an idea that I had back in 2001. And you, you nurture it, and you see it grow and change, and you know it pretty intimately. It, it can be difficult to start letting go of control. Um, 
thankfully I was able to do that a few years ago. So that's why our business has been as successful as it is because it doesn't count on me to solve every problem. Let's pretend right now that I'm a business owner and this has nothing to do with saving on cellular, but I'm coming to you in a peer to peer way right now. And I'm saying Mm -hmm. to you that, wow, my industry is changing a lot, Aaron. And I know that you have to reinvent yourself every two or three years. How do you do it? What are some things that you have to have in place that allow you to stay nimble and be able to change and reinvent yourself? Because I think change for a lot of businesses it can seem pretty daunting. So somebody that literally has to change every two or three years, I'm sure they would love your perspective. A, a lot of it is just literally scheduling time to think. Um, it's looking at the business as a whole. It's removing myself um, as the bottleneck as often and in as many ways as I can so that I have the time to be strategic. There's such a difference between strategic leadership and, and tactical leadership. And, you know, that's been an evolution too. I have a mentor and uh, I, I have participated a couple of years ago now in a uh, group coaching platform called From Founder to CEO. And the his, his name is Todd Uterstadt. He's in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. He really impressed upon me that if you want your company to grow, you need to grow. Um, so I, I really have taken that to heart over the past couple of years. I've become a ferocious reader. Um, I'm working on my accounting degree. I do a tremendous amount of uh, mentoring other um, startups and college students. And I learn a lot. I learn as much from them as they learn from me. It, so it's just, you have to grow if you want your company to grow. If you think about it, you know, if, if you're tapped out on your growth and you're not bringing new and fresh ideas to the table because you're stuck in the weeds of doing the work all the time, it's hard to stay relevant. It's hard to see what's coming next. And the other thing I would say is trust your gut. I've been really, I say lucky, <laughs> but luck is preparation and opportunity where they intersect. But a lot of it is just trusting my gut. Like if, if I see something coming up on the horizon, you know, do my diligence, but sometimes I just like, you know, we just need to go for it. And, and that's, it served us well. So what is the difference between a founder and a CEO? What did you learn throughout that whole process? Well, I would say I'm still learning, Jeff. <laughs> so to me, for my journey, my role as founder is a lifestyle and a consistent diet of gritted out. It just constant grit, grit, grit. I can start a business. I can grow a business. What I'm working on right now as the quote unquote CEO of the business is how do we scale the business? How do we get, you know, more substantial growth than what we have today? Um, so it's it's been a shift from the grit and being tactical to stepping back a little bit, allowing myself some time to think and learn. Um, so it, it definitely is an evolution. But to me, the difference between a founder and a CEO is one is more tactical and one's more strategic. Sometimes I ask this question and I always find that the answers are pretty interesting. So... As we record this, it's 2019, and it's June. As people know, I'm pretty far ahead on my interviews, so this is going to air later than that. But 
2019 Aaron Green can get in her time machine and go to that house where the business started and talk to 2001 Aaron Green. What are you communicating mm-hmm. to her? I would tell her that it is okay to be confident. It is okay to be successful. And I would say trust got more and don't be so reluctant. Okay, Aaron, you bring up a very interesting point there about 2001 Aaron Green not being confident, not being successful, even being afraid to be both. So I'd love to hear your take on why you would be, you know, when you get into a business and you obviously want it to be successful, why you would fear success and the confidence that comes with it. What uh, what do you think about that? I know a lot of people fear success. I fear failure. I legitimately take the income of my staff just as important or as seriously as I take my own. So the decisions that I make, I want to make sure they're sustainable. 2001 Aaron Green didn't have the experience that 2019 Aaron Green has. Like most people, I started business because I thought I had a really great idea. And I was a really good salesperson um, when I worked for companies like Verizon and AT&T. I was really good at that. And that translated well into getting, you know, new, new clients as I started Verify. What you quickly learn is... You might have been really good at that. You were at the top of your game and getting awards as a salesperson. As a business owner, I didn't have the acumen. I didn't have the education or the experience. And so it starts to chip away at your confidence a little bit because you're no longer just focusing on the thing you're really good at. You're also like jumping off a cliff without a parachute, trying to figure everything else out on your way down. I literally take the income and the retirement, you know, the 401k, all of that for my staff as seriously as I take my own. So making sustainable decisions is always important. And just surrounding yourself with people that can help you do that. So I meet with my CPA for one to two hours every month. I'm, I'm, I think I already said I'm working on my accounting degree. I am always looking at how can I educate myself so I can be a stronger leader. And as far as some of the conversation we had earlier about this cellular reduction and how you said, how are you able to save people 23%? I I can't save them 23%. I, I couldn't complete the analysis myself. We have very skilled, dedicated people internally that can do that. My role has really shifted from that type of work that I used to do to how do I support our staff? How do we invest in professional development? How do we work on a strategic plan that continues to grow the business? And those aren't ever conversations I would have had in 2001. I find it interesting that a couple times in this interview, the fact that you're getting an accounting degree has come up a couple times. And curious, why an accounting degree? What, uh, how is that going to help your business? Um, it's already helped my business. I don't ever intend to be my company's accountant. Um, I don't ever intend to, um, you know, my CPA firm does all of our bookkeeping. They do all the, the preparation of the financial reports. But maintaining financial stability is the, my most important role. And I don't feel like I can do that effectively if I don't understand it. Um, I I at least need to know the questions to ask. I need to understand those financial reports. I don't want somebody explaining them to me. I want to be able to look at them and 
make decisions from them along with my CPA. So it's, for me, it's, it's empower, it's financial empowerment. Yeah. By the way, uh, that question probably came out a little more challenging that, uh, uh, than I meant it to be because I was really kind of more curious about it. Cause I think this is the first interview I've had where a founder and CEO said, Hey, I'm going back to get my accounting degree. And I just, I found it very interesting and it, it, it definitely piqued a lot of curiosity in me, but it makes a lot of sense because it seems to me that you have a, a plan for long-term stability and sustainability with your business because of how invested your employees are. It's, wouldn't that be fair to say that since your employees are so invested, you're investing in them. And part of investing in them is investing in yourself to be able to have that skill set to set them up for the long term. Am I correct? You're absolutely right. And we do a lot with investment of um, education for our staff too, um, through seminars, classes, courses, um, whatever will help them um, feel more confident in the work that they're doing. Also set up a scholarship fund at Fort LaBeouf High School. So I do um, planned giving. I um, I contribute $150 a month to the Fort LaBeouf Foundation. And then um, we give a $1,500 a year scholarship to a graduating senior who wants to pursue education in a uh, trade. So education is exceedingly important to me. So let's talk about you as a leader. And it seems to me that, and I've seen this on LinkedIn, you're the folks that work for you. I hate to even say for you, because I tell you what, the vibe that I, I get. They work with me. That's what I was just going to say, because that's the exact vibe I get when I see those posts that you're all in that, you're all in it together. And um, mm-hmm. so your philosophy, because you seem like you're very intentional in everything you do from the way that you get your reports and you break those down to creating long-term plans, to how you interact with your customers, to even getting an accounting degree so you can understand financial reports better. So knowing that you're intentional in every other area of your business, I know that you've got to be intentional with how you interact with your employees. And Take me through that, what you do to really make sure that you have that work with you vibe instead of you work for me vibe. I guess I wouldn't say I'm intentional. I, I mean, I, I, by definition, I'm probably intentional, but I, I, I'm just authentic and genuine about it. Like there isn't a person that I work with that doesn't know that I care about them as human beings before I care about the work they produce. We've had um, staff who needed to go home because they had, you know, a sick kid. We just we just went through a, a strategic plan, and one of our six core values is family first. They they feel like an extension of my family. I mean, obviously, you know, we we hold each other accountable, and we have um, work to do and objectives to meet. But they they generally know I care about them as people before I care about the work that they do, and so. It's not like I intentionally say I'm going to do this with this person on this day. It's just, it's just authentic and organic. I just enjoy to be around them. <laughs> and that's great because what is that thing that people don't care what you say? I'm trying to remember that old saying. They don't care what you say until they know how much you care or something like that. And I think that's mm-hmm. exactly what you embody 
at Verify Services. So, well, let's get into some of the Athena-based questions as we round into the back half of the interview here. And um, wow, you know, these, uh, these questions that I come up with on a weekly basis, and they're based on the eight Athena leadership principles from the book, Becoming Athena, Eight Principles to Enlightened Leadership by Athena International founder, Martha Mertz. Well, you know, Aaron, I'll tell you, this, this principle is really up your alley. It's give back. And what does give back mean to you? Um, To me, giving back means investing my time, my money, and my expertise and passion in other people. Our time here is very finite. But if you can invest yourself, um, whatever that looks like for you, if you can invest yourself in others, your work, your passions, your beliefs, live will outlive you. I think that education is the key out of poverty. So I've done things with um, literacy programs. I did in the fall, I did a a nine, I co-facilitated with Colleen Mesler, a nine week co-starters program. It's for for local startups. I do a lot of mentoring, both personally and professionally with um, college students. I I am just always looking for ways that I can help other people. I know we didn't talk about this, but my, my first career was as a registered nurse. So it uh, needs that piece of me that needs to help other people. All right, Aaron, our second Athena-based question, and I'm sure that you're in a very good position to answer this because over the years, I'm sure you've developed a lot of great leaders, male and female, but uh, let's focus on the female side because, again, this is an Athena podcast. And let's just talk about developing women in leadership and maybe talk about how women are elevating other women and celebrating it. So one of the things that I enjoy is Again, with Colleen Mesler, I co-facilitate what's called Advanced Athena. Um, Advanced Athena is a peer-to-peer mentoring group. We meet once a month. And in order to qualify to be a part of that group, you have to have first gone through the Athena PowerLink program. Um, There's about 12 of us who meet once a month and really talk about, you know, the challenges and the triumphs that we're having in our businesses and how we can help support each other through that. So that, I would say that's where I invest most of my time as far as other female leaders. All right. So let's talk about Athena in specific. And Athena is just a great organization, does a lot of good. Not everybody that's listening is completely aware of the good that Athena does. So talk to us about Athena Power Link and the value of that for your business, and then also Athena in general and how it helps women. So it really is, Athena is about empowering um, and encouraging women to become leaders. Um, I don't know that I could articulate in a single conversation all of the benefit that I got out of my Athena PowerLink panel. Um, my panel was in 2014. I'm still in regular contact with the volunteers that were on my panel. There were 12 of them in contact with them on a regular basis. I would say if you wanted to know what the, like the single best piece of that I took away from the program, I would say that it is to take a step back and to look at a opportunity or a challenge from multiple points of view. And I would say since completing my Athena panel, that has changed my leadership style and the way I make decisions at work. Um, often, I mean, daily, I'm asking people, what's your perspective on this? Because, um, 
multiple perspectives with a touch of compromise affect the best outcomes. And so how did your leadership style change in specific from pre-power link to post-power link? I would say that the biggest thing that's changed is just my mindset around decision making. From 2001 until 2014, I was making most at that point of the decisions, not all for sure, but most of them. But now when when there's major decisions to be made, there's at least two, sometimes three or four people that have provided their input and their insights before we were making the final decision. And it's just the, the whole concept of, you know, we all have areas of expertise. Each of the people that I work with, we all have areas of expertise. And depending on the decision that needs to be made, somebody has a perspective that's better than mine that will get us across the finish line with, with a much more solid decision than I would have come up with on my own. Okay, so 2001 to 2014, most of the decisions were yours. 2014 on, as we record this, it's 2019, so about five years worth of data of decisions that were made more collaboratively. So uh, maybe compare and contrast how the businesses run in those two um, instances. Have you noticed with the collaboration that uh, you're making much more stronger decisions as an organization? Absolutely. And not only are we making stronger, better decisions, more people are involved. So they're taking ownership of the decisions and the outcomes. Oh, that's great. Well, let's talk about resources. Um, Two resources I'm going to mention is, first of all, check out Aaron Green's website. Of course, we're talking to Aaron Green, founder and CEO of Verify Services. And it's pretty easy to remember, verifyservices.net. We're going to have that in the resource section. And then also in the resource section, you can do a 10-minute call. It says slash 10-M-I-N, so I'm assuming it's 10 minutes. But um, it's a free, no-risk discovery call to learn more about how Aaron's company can drive results and get your telecom services back under control. So Aaron, those are two links that I definitely wanted to highlight so people could contact you. Because again, you had mentioned earlier, you've done great work in 40 states. I'm sure you'd like to do it in all 50 states. So hopefully some people will uh, check you out and take advantage of that. But uh, what are some other resources that you would like to talk to our audience about? I am an avid listener of Audible and TED Talks. So like, as far as TED Talks go, I like Angela Duckworth. She has um, Grit is a really good TED Talk. Um, the other one that I like is the um, Paradox of Choice. And I can't remember um, the name of the person that does that TED Talk, but the Paradox of Choice is definitely very interesting. And then as far as um, books, um, The Untethered Soul is my all-time favorite book. I also like um, Crucial Conversations is another really good book. I just Googled the um, paradox of choice and that was Barry Schwartz. So, and we'll of course have a a link to his. Uh, It's so nice when I record this podcast, I record right in front of my computer and I just have, I have, wait, no, no, wait a minute. I came up with that off the top of my head. It wasn't, it wasn't (laughs) Dr. Google. Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> it was Doctor Google. So I could not. I could not have come up with that on my own. So well, that's <laughs> well, that's great, Aaron. As we get into the final question here again, I appreciate all your time. Uh, this has been a, a wonderful talk. I can't. It's it's gone so fast. So thank you. Thank you. So last question 
I pass the mic back over to you. What would you like to say to the audience as we close out the podcast? To whom much has been given, much is expected. Um, that is but it really as a mindset that was imparted on me by Colleen Mesler. And it really, I would encourage people to, you know, no matter how little or how much you have, you always have something to give somebody else, whether it's your time, it's your expertise, it's your money, it's, it's an encouraging word. You really don't ever know the power of the right words at the right time, the, the, the impact that that can have on people. So I, I just would encourage people to always be looking at what do you have and how much of it you can give away as it comes back to you tenfold. Oh, you're so right about that. You just have no idea what somebody might be going through or that maybe mm-hmm. they just need that little push of encouragement. And you have, you have no idea as to the impact you can make. And yeah, I interviewed Martha Mertz, the founder of Athena International, and she has in her book, the book I had mentioned before, Becoming Athena, Eight Principles to Enlighten Leadership. But she says in her book, there's a, relates a story of a little boy, and I'm paraphrasing the story here, but the little boy's walking along the beach and he's helping, I think it was crabs. And there's these crabs had beach themselves. There's thousands of them. And he would pick up one crab and throw it back and maybe pick up another crab and throw it back. And I think his father said, well, you know, look, look, there's thousands of them on the beach here. You're not making any difference. And he says, I am for the one crab I'm uh, throwing back in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's that ripple effect. So you, you throw a, throw a pebble in the pond and it's not the point of impact. It's what happens after the point of impact. Um, that outlives you. Well, Aaron Green, CEO and founder of Verify Services, saving people 23% on their cellular bills. Of course, as you said, it's commercial and business because I was just about to fill out that contact form because I want to save money on my, <laughs> my cellular services. Well, maybe when I start hiring employees for women really mean business, then I'll, uh, I'll come to you and we'll have a group plan and you can help me out. But uh, Aaron, thank you so much again. It's uh, been a really nice talk and I really appreciate all your time. Thank you, Jeff. I enjoyed talking with you. On the next episode of Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, Peggy Hauser moved from corporate America to ownership of Grape Arbor Bed and Breakfast and talks about that transition, but also educates us on how to interact positively with customers after thousands of experiences with her guests. Here's a little bit from Peggy. Well, I think body language is really important when you're talking with somebody because I think particularly in this world of social media and people really aren't that used to interacting with each other, that if you really do pay attention, not to what they're saying, but how they're saying it and how they're looking at you when they're talking about something, I think it's, uh, I have found that it's pretty easy to read whether the words that they're saying are matching what's going on in their head. When you share the show on social media, and we hope you do, use the MyAthena hashtag, lowercase my, and then Athena is all uppercase, hashtag MyAthena. Let's share this with the world.